Well, would you rather be comfortable or fully alive? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, welcome into the 48 Days Radio Show. You know, I had a couple pre-recorded there while Joanne and I were out for a couple weeks celebrating our anniversary, but I'm excited to be back. Got lots of new questions, lots of things we're going to be covering today. Each week, we take 48 minutes here to dive into those real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to live that life that you say you want to live. That's what we do. Yes, I know it seems kind of counterintuitive to the common wisdom out there where you find a job and then you make your life work. But no, we look at it the other way around. Hey, welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. You know, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. I'm at a point in my current job where role expectations have changed and I feel that I need to find something else. All right. Pretty common question. Uh, Somebody says, I'm not seeing any success stories in 48 Days to the Work You Love where teachers are finding success. All right, we'll talk about what what that means and why why that may be true. I've been in the car business for the last 20 years as a tech and auto body and paint guy. It's time to move on due to repetitive back injuries. What are my options? And somebody says, what should I, should I be honest that my current boss is a crook? When asked, why do you want to leave your current job? And somebody says, I don't think you'd feel so rosy about retirement. Uh, Based on a recent interview I did with Roger Whitney on rock retirement, where we talked about moving into retirement. And this listener says, I don't think you'd feel so rosy about retirement if you had to dig your car out of the snow, clear your driveway of snow, then commute 45 minutes to work each way in weather that can cause your car battery to be dead one morning, get into an icy an accident on an icy highway and goes on and on and on. We're going to cover some of those things. Actually, next week, what I'm going to do is I came back and I've got just a rash of questions and really comments about how discouraged people are with the work situation as it is. Next week, I'm going to talk about the choices we make. That's what we're going to title it. I'll give you a little taste of some of the things we'll be dealing with at the end of today's episode here. But I've got a whole bunch of these that I kind of grouped together. I'm going to go through just how the choices we make lead to the life that we live. Now, incidentally, I don't talk much about people doing reviews. I mean, I've been blessed doing this podcast for a very long time. I have... um, Well, I have, as of this morning, 298 reviews on iTunes. And of course, lots of people comment on other places. They listen to the podcast as well, like on our own site, 48days.com. But uh, a lot of reviews there. And um, we're almost at a perfect five-star review. Obviously, (laughs) you can't be in the real world. You can't raise your head up out of the groundhog hole without having somebody that wants to bat you down. I heard my my friend Jeff Brown a comment just this week that he got his first one-star review for his podcast. He's got a great podcast, Read Read to Lead. 
uh, but at a one star. And I went through and looked at, I scanned through the 298 that I have, and I did find a one star review in there. Somebody said, you know, just another, you know, feel good, think positive, you know, going back to the 80s and 90s, just the positive thinking gurus, nothing new. Anyway, but but some of the comments that I have gotten just in the last week here, uh, again, I don't check these often. As a matter of fact, I probably don't check every once every six months, but I do appreciate the reviews. And if you want to jump on iTunes and leave a review, I mean, it does allow other people to find us easily. And I certainly do appreciate that. Uh, Cowgirl says, I listen to many uplifting educational podcasts, and this is one of my favorites. The message is positive, makes a great way to start the day. The worst thing about this podcast is waiting for the next episode. Um, a. Taylor says, I can't recommend this podcast enough. Dan Miller is a brilliant creative thinker who offers us tons of tips and valuable nuggets of wisdom to help us look inward in order to find the things that truly make our hearts sing and then find a way to monetize them. Um, Lillian, Lillian, I guess it is. I listen every Friday when a new episode comes out. Dan is like a career mentor who walks you through the complex career world. Whether you work for a company or are self-employed, there's a lot to learn from him. Jamie says, I love this podcast. Dan Miller also brings inspiration and wisdom to every podcast. This is the best podcast on iTunes. Well, there's lots of them there. I appreciate the comments. Slapshot J says, I can't stop listening. I learned something I can use in my business every time I hear Dan speak. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom. And so on it goes. But anyway, I do appreciate comments that you leave on iTunes. And again, it helps other people find us so we can have a lot of fun together and encourage other people as well. Well, our business partners today are Fresh Books and Health IQ. Now, Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com slash 48 days to see if you qualify. I'm going to tell you a little bit more here in a second about how you have to do certain things to qualify for great term insurance rates through Health IQ. Here's a quotation for today. Now, I just read a book titled The Power of Moments, Why Certain Experiences Have Extraordinary Impact by Chip and Dan Heath. And they've written other books like Switch, uh, which I always have enjoyed. They do a lot of research for their books, The Power of Moments. But here's something I read in there. We tend to be most comfortable when things are certain. We feel most alive when they are not. Thus, my opening question for you today, would you rather be comfortable or fully alive? Here again is that quotation that kind of stopped me in my tracks. We tend to be most comfortable when things are certain. We feel most alive when they are not. So the question is, you know, sometimes we have those unexpected or unwelcome things that happen in our lives, I mean, certainly, and we want to fix it. We just want to get things back to normal. Well, when things are normal, when you're comfortable, I mean, that just kind of gets boring after a while. And they're saying we're most alive when things are not predictable, when we're not comfortable. But we usually tend to want to get back to being comfortable rather than seeing those unexpected or unwelcome events, circumstances as an opportunity to explore new and maybe exciting things that we've not explored before. I mean, when I look back and see the, the biggest things that I've moved into 
that have given me the most fulfillment, joy, satisfaction, financial success, whatever, it tends to be times when I had something happen that I didn't really want to happen. And yet in coming through that, it forced me to look at some new opportunities and see new things that I had not previously considered. Well, I hope the same is true for you. Well, let me tell you about my friends at Health IQ here for a little bit. I mean, Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people. And that includes runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. They know that uh, they can get you better rates. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. If you're in the same category as, uh, golly, we were just joining, I was just on a cruise. And I'll have to admit, you know, being on a cruise, you see a lot of people who haven't taken particularly good care of their health. I don't know if they go together. To me, it's an opportunity to be out in nature and to be reminded of what being in good health is all about. And just a reminder to stay on top of that. But a lot of people, it seems, uh, use it as an opportunity to gorge, to be lazy, to overeat, oversleep. But um, Well, I won't go down that path. But Health IQ is helping customers who take care of their health get better rates. I mean, they can save their customers usually up to about 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, 28% lower risk of diabetes. Golly, I mean, those are the kind of things that they look for and the kind of things that they are helping people with every day. You can call them, talk to them and uh, get them to help see what the options are for you for better insurance rates that you have. You know, right now we've got our daughter and her family are here on our property spending most of the month here, which is exciting to have them and three little granddaughters around helping me with all kinds of things, finding salamanders as well as getting ready for spring projects here, but lots of fun things with them. But yesterday, Nathan, my son-in-law made an amazing pizza. Now you would swear that it had pork or chicken on it, but it did not. It had jackfruit. I had not heard of jackfruit until just recently when they were talking about it. Now they are vegan, so they don't eat meat or dairy products, but the the texture of jackfruit is very similar to chicken and pork. And I did a quick look up on it. It's commonly used as meat substitute uh, really throughout Asia, but the jackfruit is often called vegetarian meat. The seeds are also edible and can be boiled or roasted. But uh, jackfruit is a, a species of tree in the fig and mulberry family, native to southwest India. But they buy it, they buy big quantities of it, and it's jackfruit. But anyway, those are the kind of people that Health IQ is looking for. People like my daughter and her family who use jackfruit instead of meat. And it's a fruit and it has all the nutrition of like figs and mulberries. So check it out. Hey, to see if you qualify, you can get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash 48 days and then mention 48 days when you talk to a Health IQ agent. You know, go there, healthiq.com slash 48 days, fill out the brief form. You'll get a call really quickly from somebody and they're not, they're not pressuring you into anything. Believe me, they're just going to tell you if they, in fact, can help you. Now, if you already have really good rates and they can't beat those rates, it's pretty obvious. And they just thank you for your time. 
But if you, there's no downside to this at all. They're not going to try to sell you something that, you know, doesn't benefit you. So check it out. Healthiq.com slash 48 days. Hey, also want to mention our friends at FreshBooks. This being the time of year, we're almost right at tax time. I'm waiting on the tax return to come back from my accountant. I'm not sure what it's going to share. I'm, I'm prepared for pretty much whatever it is. But uh, and usually I'm not very surprised because in using FreshBooks during the year, I know pretty well where I stand all the way through and I make quarterly deposits with the IRS, even being self-employed. I mean, that's one of the big things you can get in trouble in as a self-employed person. If you work for yourself, you can just think all that money coming in is just a profit. And all of a sudden you get that tax return that comes back and says, oh no, you should have been putting 25 or 30% away, depending on your tax bracket. And if you haven't done that, then it really is painful. But if you use fresh books all along, you can be up to date on where you stand so you don't get caught like that at the end of the year. So it, it'll help. You can put in your receipts so you have accurate recording of those. You can, of course, do invoices instantly and get paid instantly because you'll see when people open it up. So the accounting that comes, the, the benefits of that are just pretty astounding. So check out FreshBooks. They're offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Well, we got some good news as always. Good news is not hard to find. It's everywhere. Uh, it, it's not as pervasive. You have to look a little bit more for it perhaps because we know that if it bleeds, it leads, so to speak, in the news media. They look for bad news because it's been proven that it keeps our attention longer and keeping our attention then opens the door to the commercials they have and so on and so forth. Anyway, it's just a business proposition to feed us bad news, unfortunately. There's good news. Hey, here's a little girl that figured out a perfect way to get her dad to finally say yes to adopting a puppy. Now, what she did... Uh, Brendan Greeley says that the turning point to his eight-year-old daughter's plea for a puppy came when he sat down to read his morning newspaper and he saw a headline scrawled in pen at the top of the page reading, can I please get a puppy, a real one? Now, having studied, he says, having studied my habits and preferences, my daughter hacked my attention this morning for her political agenda. Amused by his daughter's wily ways, he posted a photo of the paper on Twitter. He said he and his wife were backed even further into a corner when the photo was shared thousands of times across social media. It even got retweeted by J.K. Rowling, author of the Harry Potter series. Dad says that while he's not been especially eager to adopt a puppy into their family of four kids, he was impressed by his daughter's determination over the course of her three-month campaign for a fury companion. Reminds me of my daughter, Ashley, when she was about the same age. She did the same thing. She did a lot of research. I wasn't thrilled about having a dog in a house, having a house dog. She did a lot of research, presented me a very well thought out analysis and, and uh, an identification of how she would take responsibility for the dog. And yes, it did this. I had the same response this daddy did. Yeah, we got a little dog with this for many years. A lot of great memories from that little dog we had. I think that's when we got a I forget what the name of it was. We had a Shih Tzu at one point, but I think this was a little peek-a-poo or something that we got when Ashley wanted one, but uh, she did the same thing. Now, this little puppy that this Greeley family has adopted, they named the puppy J.K. Grawling. 
Uh, and so uh, they're making donations to the local SPCA chapter uh, when people mention this on Twitter, and it's been growing pretty exponentially. They've gotten a whole lot of people that are following this, and the uh, local SPCA office is thrilled because they're getting a flood of donations spurred by the Greeley family and their new puppy. Well, cool stuff. Here, here's a cute story. There's nothing more inspiring than having a role model who looks like you. That's why Anna Barbara Ferreira cut her hair to match one of her bullied students. I wish I could show you the picture. It's a beautiful picture of this cute little girl and a teacher who styled her hair exactly as the little girl. Anna, who's an educator, teaches a young girl who was mocked by one of the other boys in her class. Now, she's a little African-American gal and had her, her real frizzy hair up in two kind of two ponytails that really bobbed up high in the air, and she was made fun of. Yesterday, my student told me there was a boy saying that her hair was ugly. She was very sad, Anna wrote on her Facebook page. At that moment, the only thing I could tell her was that she was wonderful and shouldn't care about what he was saying. Though that it may have been enough for most teachers, Anna decided to go one step further for her distressed student. So while she was getting ready for school the next day, Anna styled her hair exactly like the little bullied girl. When the student saw the new hairdo, she couldn't contain her excitement. When she saw me, she came running to hug me and told me I was beautiful, wrote Anna. I told her today, I'm beautiful like you. I mean, that's a cool thing for a teacher to, to just identify herself with a little girl who is being bullied, style her hair the same way so they wouldn't look exactly alike. Cool stuff. Well, Cassie Warren and Jesse Jones have been busy getting ready for the big day in which they'll finally tie the knots. So in the chaotic midst of planning their wedding, Cassie accidentally wrote the wrong address on a wedding invitation that was meant for her aunt and uncle. So instead of being sent to her relative's home in Eugene, Oregon, 20 minutes away from where the couple lives in Portland, it arrived at the home of, of an older couple. While the recipients could have simply thrown the letter away, they sent it back to Cassie and Jesse with the note inside. The note read, I wish, I, I wish we knew you. This is going to be a blast. Congratulations. Go have dinner on us. We've been married for 40 years. It gets better with age. And they enclosed the returned invitation with a $20 bill. Well, the couple did end up using the money to take a friend to dinner before he was being deployed. But just a nice follow-up. They accidentally got a card. wasn't meant for them. And yet they returned it with a nice note and a gift in it for the newly married couple. Cool stuff. I look for opportunities like that. I know you do as well. Look for opportunities to surprise people with good news and your unexpected response to situations that otherwise that other people may just ignore. Well, here's a story about some college kids that broke into a house to save a 90 year old resident from a fire. Now, this was an ordinary Friday night for six college students at Rutgers. You know, we, we hear a lot of stories about college students that are not favorable that tell all the bad things that go on. Well, there's certainly a lot of stories that are other than that, and this is one of those. After spending the evening playing video games and socializing, two of the students got ready to head home around midnight. As they were leaving the house, they saw a duplex down the street had caught fire, and there was no one outside of the building. So these two students alerted some other friends to the situation, and then they ran down the block, starting banging on doors, rattling fences, yelling that there was a fire. They called 911. 23-year-old Mateo Resenovic 
took a more hands-on approach by punching through the glass in the building's front door so he could unlock it and charge inside. He and a friend then found a 90-year-old man who was sleeping in his bedroom on the second floor. The two students guided him downstairs onto the sidewalk while firefighters arrived and managed to control the fire in under 30 minutes. The students immediately left the scene. Anyway, they were searching for the Good Samaritans, did find them. They said, hey, they were just doing, you know, what they were taught as kids that you ought to do, you know, help somebody out when they need it. Well, you know, I get a lot of the uh, good news stories, you know, from Good News Network. You can find that at Good News Network. They've started their own podcast. It's just short, three or four minutes with these little stories in it. But if you want to hear those and uh, have those just something that's available on a daily basis. You can find that at the Good News Network. Just search that and subscribe to their podcast. Well, let me move into the questions for today. This reader says, <laughs> if you read my email on the podcast, refer to me as Alan, as I don't want to compound any problems by having my employer found out that I'm looking for something else. Okay, so Alan says, I'm at a point in my current job where role expectations have changed and I feel that I need to find something else. I understand that growing, part of growing in a profession is having an extra challenge of learning new things, but I'm at the point where I'm drowning in extra roles and expectations. I've asked about paring down the extra roles and expectations to a reasonable point. However, there are no plans to hire or help or shift some of the weight elsewhere. The problem with leaving my employer is that the business is small and they're looking for booking projects where my expertise needs to be leveraged. My wife and I have talked about possibly having to take a financial hit for a while if I change jobs and it could make things tough with paying for a house, daycare, etc. And I signed an agreement with the company that will make things difficult to find other employment with my expertise. Not sure what that means. I'm not sure why you would sign an agreement that would make it difficult to find other employment with your expertise. I mean, even a non-compete um, means that you can't, you know, go start a competing business. But uh, if you just need to leave, you certainly ought to be able to do that. Would it be wise to start working on a side hustle right now to help out with the difference in income once I find another job outside of the realm of advertising? How do I, even if I should, let my boss know that I need to start looking for something different? I feel that honesty is the best policy, but my remaining days with my current employer will be very difficult if I'm honest about my intentions. Any feedback is welcome. Okay, Alan, a couple things here. You're in a job. It's not working. You need to move on. You're anticipating that if you move on, you're going to take a hit in your income. Now, the first thing I want you to do is to change your expectations. When I hear from people on a daily basis, which we do, you know, if somebody's losing their job, boom, the first thing they think is less. The first thing they think is, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to make less money. We're going to have to turn in the car that we just got. We're going to have to not go on a vacation. We're going to have to take the kids out of private school. You know, we're in reality. Those transition points are oftentimes where people end up increasing their income dramatically. So I would caution you against expecting that changing jobs is going to decrease your income. I mean, I don't care what it is you're making now. If you're making $80,000 a year now, you know, anticipate that in doing, making a change with you doing a well-constructed job search, anticipate that you're going to go from 80 to a hundred, not that you're going to go from 80 to 60 or 50. I mean, just don't think that. I mean, it's in changes that people increase dramatically 
and what their compensation is. It's people who stay in the same jobs who get those 3 and 4% increases a year that we hear about. I mean, my gosh, that doesn't keep up with anything. and certainly doesn't give you any margin. But it's in changing companies that people are able to sometimes double and triple the income that they've been used to. So don't have the expectation that you're going to have a decrease. In regard to telling your, your employer, current employer, where things obviously are not good there, no, don't tell your current employer that you're looking for something else. They may tell you, okay, you can clean out your desk and leave today. We won't be needing you anymore. And then it puts you in a position of desperation. So do the job search. I mean, take the 30 days that it requires to do a great job search. So you have other options lined up. So you have a position you know that you can go to, and then you give your two week notice. And if they tell you to leave today, that's okay. Because then you have just a little break and you're ready to go, but not in a position of desperation. So no, go ahead and just do the, but do the job search. Just do the job search like I lay out 48 days to the work you love. This is a great time. We're hearing from people every day who are getting multiple opportunities, multiple job offers. Now, the workplace is changing. There's no question about that. But there's opportunities out there. And if you hold your head high and know what your skills are and are confident about those, you're going to find other opportunities because companies are desperately seeking people who know what their skills are, know how they add value to companies. Tiffany says, I've been reading your book and I'm noticing a trend. I'm not seeing any success stories where teachers are finding success with your book. My husband is an analyst and he's doing what he loves. However, I don't see your system working in education where jobs are going to those who have degrees and letters behind their name. Any thoughts? Well, it's kind of a circular question that you asked, Tiffany, because in education, yes, they put a lot of merit on degrees and credentials after your name. I mean, it's by virtue of the system that they're promoting. They're going to do that. So people with more degrees and letters after their name, they're going to get better opportunities. That shouldn't be a surprise. Now, what you're going to find in 48 Days to the Work You Love and other books that I write, like No More Dreaded Mondays, Wisdom Meets Passion, Rudder of the Day, other things like that, you're going to hear a lot of stories about people who have been in traditional education who are leaving and finding opportunities in other ways. I mean, we hear from teachers every single day who are saying, geez, this is not what I signed up for. And I thought I was going to be a loving, kind sixth grade teacher. And instead, you know, I have to be a policeman. And now they're telling me I have to pack a gun, you know, in case something happens in the class. That's not what I signed up for. Well, sure, we're seeing a lot of good, competent, compassionate, reliable people who are leaving traditional education because it's such a mess. I don't have, uh, I don't do a whole lot of encouraging people in that environment because it is such a broken system, but we're seeing a whole lot of new things out. A couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Laura Sandifer, who is the founder of Acton Academy. That's a radically different method of education. We're seeing people who are creating their own homeschooling uh, networks or their classical education networks. I mean, we have lots of options here in Middle Tennessee, as you probably do where you live. So there are new options out there where they don't put the same emphasis on just degrees and letters after your name. I mean, you may have in, in a homeschooling co-op, you may have somebody who is teaching biology who doesn't have academic degrees to back that up, but it has a 
written some books or is a naturalist or has worked as a forest ranger. I mean, you may have somebody whose life experience makes him a great candidate to teach a topic, but people aren't asking the questions about, gee, what degree do you have? I mean, when you think about real life, I mean, if I'm going to have somebody come and do my lawn work. We got back from a, a couple weeks out and boy, my yard is, is really needing to be worked on because we've got the same company we've used for 18 years now. So not a problem, but I want them to get over here. But in ha- if I were looking for new landscaping company, am I going to ask, gee, do you have a degree in landscaping? Well, no, I'm going to say, I want to know the names of six of your customers that I can go talk to and see the work that you've done. So the the proof is in doing work that matters. And that's true more and more and more with companies where they aren't concerned about degrees that you've got. They want to know what can you do? What can you produce? What projects have you worked on? You know, what social networks are you involved in? Are you blogging? You know, what, what do you, have you done on your own in the last two years? And those are the credentials that move you forward. So, Tiffany, yeah, I'm not real optimistic about great opportunities in traditional public education, if that's what you're asking. And thus, you're not going to see a lot of reference to those success stories in the books that I write. Speaking of which, you know, I got a note here. You know, it's funny how things are tied together. I get uh, questions about... um, discouragement. And at the same time, I get Callie, all these optimistic options. Here's one I want to pass along to you, Tiffany. This came from Ryan Kelly, who's with affordablecollegecommunity.org. It's an organization and they send me resources and they just sent me some resources for teachers that are really good about opportunities within a teaching environment opportunities to move forward in your career. Now, these are long URLs, but go to the show notes for today. And we're going to have these resources where teachers can start, advance their careers, how to stay up to date with the latest apps, technology for the classroom, how to find new support networks to share and get advice, you know, all those kind of things. And there's some really good, and these are, you know, PDFs that are five or six pages long. So they're short resources, but it'll maybe help you and give you a more optimistic view of teaching than what I'm providing you from my perspective. All right, here's another kind of related one. This comes from Jody who says, I'm looking for expertise, assistance, writing or acquiring grants for elementary school wellness programs where the curriculum includes nutrition, mindfulness, yoga, additionally looking for philanthropic or educational foundations who might be a possible source for such funding as well. If anyone knows of someone with expertise in this space, I would really love an opportunity to discuss further. The need is fairly immediate as I'd like to get submissions in with intent to do for next school year, 2018, 2019. Um, I'm in Massachusetts, would be looking to target schools in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Southern New Hampshire. Thank you, Jody. Well, Jody, it just so happens that yes, I do know a couple of people and I linked you already with Mickey Vandaloo. Mickey is one of our um, certified 48 days mastery coaches and her expertise is helping people get grants and funding in the way her her site, incidentally, for those of the rest of you listening, you may be interested in well, as well as lakeviewconsulting.net. That's Mickey's site, lakeviewconsulting.net. And you'll see she is a master at helping people get grants. She's made a very good living doing that for many, many years now, helping people get funding 
And if you, if you want to grant, I, that's what I recommend doing. Find somebody who has expertise in doing that. Somebody who knows what they're doing can get out there and find the resources that you need. This comes from Dave who says, love your podcast and all you do to serve people. I've been in the car business for the last 20 years as a tech or auto body and paint guy. It's time to move on due to repetitive back injuries. I've been self-employed the last 10 years as a mobile paint shop to use car dealers you doing minor paint and dent work. I'm not sure what to do now because my experience has been all physical. The only thing coming to mind is a car salesman and with commission and being an introvert, I'm not sure that's for me, but that's where I'm at and I'll do whatever I need. Thanks so much for your suggestions. I was making just over $50,000 a year. Dave, I love what you're doing. Golly, I've got this image in mind of having a mobile paint shop where you go around to used car dealers doing minor paint and dent work. Um, really, I, it seems to me, well, I don't know, I'm not going to make judgments about your physical condition. If you've had repetitive back in, injuries and you can't do that anymore, um, uh, one option would be to just you maintain and increase the relationships with the car dealers where you just set up the work. And then have somebody else. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there who have skills in auto body and paint paint technology, you know, but you could go out and you could even expand where instead of having one trailer on the road, you had two. You know, when I had an auto accessories business, I started with one where I was doing pinstriping and dorage dorage guard and wheelet molding and then i did sunroofs and cruise controls and other things over time brush guards running boards uh love doing that stuff but it grew so rapidly because of my relationship with the dealers that i then brought on two other vans very quickly i had a gal who who ran one route for me she was really great her name was Teresa, and uh had a guy mark who ran another route but i just i I created all the relationships with the dealers. You know, I nurtured those relationships, I secured the work, and then I just had these teams that would go out and do the work itself. So that's certainly one option for you. Now, if that's not a good option, you're ready to move on and you really feel you like you need to get out of this line of work totally, yeah, do something that also springboards from your knowledge of the car industry. I think there are a lot of things that would do that. I mean, you could be a rep for a line of uh, rust proofing, undercoating that car dealers use or for accessories that they use. You know, you, you could, there are a lot of things where you could simply call on car dealers and be an account rep. And in doing so, you don't need to be that, you know, back slapping, you know, schmoozing, blue suede shoe kind of guy that you may have think about in terms of being a car salesman. You don't have to do that. You, you call on purchasing agents and chief financial officers of car dealerships and just show them the products that you have. That would be a very much more relationship oriented kind of selling than what we would usually think of about as compared to being the guy out there in the front line, you know, waving a flag to get you to drive in to buy a car. Now at the same time, I think you, I think you can do well as an introverted salesman. When you think about being a car salesman, usually it's not about going out and knocking on 30 doors, you know, where you really have to be extroverted. It's not about, you know, going to the airport and talking to 30 people and trying to get them to come to a little party at your house that night where you pull out the white marker board. I mean, those are things that really you better be extroverted. But car salespeople these days, people are going to drive in. 
So not like you're going out there knocking on, they're going to drive in. They have an express need. They've already raised their hand, said we're in the market for a car. They drive in. So if you know the car industry, I mean, you know cars, you know how to help people identify what their needs are and then find a solution for that. I think you can do that very well without being a real extroverted, bouncy, cheerleading kind of guy. I mean, if you look at the dealerships that are really big and established, I help a lady just recently purchased a car through CarMax. Well, CarMax, those guys aren't commissioned. They're salaried. Uh, they're very thoughtful. They aren't hoop, hoop, hooray kind of guys. They just are help you identify in their network what kind of cars they have. The prices are set. You don't even negotiate, so there's not that kind of hoop to jump through. But CarMax might be an opportunity for you. I'd check out opportunities there. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to move on, but I love your question because obviously you know I'm a car guy, and I think there's all kinds of opportunities that are connected with that that'll give you opportunity to to keep using your expertise and hopefully love of the car industry to move forward. This comes from Gene. Gene says, I'm in the job search process and I've landed several interviews. I know it is considered unseemly to badmouth a previous or current employer, but the reason I'm looking for another position is that I believe my employer is a crook. He's been sued several times for everything from breach of contract to patent infringement, and he's lost those suits. He just plays fast and loose with standard accounting practices like turning in receipts, co-mingling personal and business-related expenses on a corporate credit card, etc. And when he's caught, he shifts blame and throws employees under the bus. I'm a staff accountant and my fingerprints are all over the financial records, and I know it's inevitable that the IRS will audit at him at some point. Well, it sounds like a pretty toxic environment for sure, Gene. Well, Gene says, my question is when I'm asked, why do you want to leave your current job? What do I answer? Do I gloss over this with a reference to corporate culture or just make something up that sounds good, even if it's not true? Well, yes, in essence, you do. When you, when you are asked, why do you want to leave your current job? There is nothing Nothing, nothing to be gained by going into an explanation of the things that you just explained here, that you believe your employer's a crook, you know, he's been sued, several, nothing, nothing, nothing. It puts you at risk to be sharing that information. And there's no advantage with a potential employer in you sharing that advantage, even if it is absolutely true and more. But immediately, the potential employer is going to think, oh my gosh, you know, this is somebody who is spreading negative news, is looking for it, is maybe making some of this up. And they're going to anticipate that the same scenario is going to be replayed there. It works against you every time. Just don't do it. And do exactly what you're saying. Gloss it over with a reference to, you know, it's become clear that your goals are not the same as the company or you've been there for some period of time and you're exploring new opportunities and are confident that there are things out there that would be more, even more fulfilling for you. I mean, there's a lot of positive things you can say, but keep it on the positive side. Keep it on the positive side as to why you're leaving. Don't go into the explanations that you and I know to be true but it's just not going to work to your advantage at all. Now, I, I said that next week I'm going to be talking about the choices that we make. And I've got a whole rash of 
well, they aren't really questions because the way the way they come through, they're uh, more complaints and just uh, stating uh, discouragement. But, but here's an example. Well, let me go down here. I mean, I'll tell you a couple of examples that I'm going to give you next week when we talk about this more. I'm in a job uh, that's being phased out. I'm too old to get a different job. Um, here a guy says he's positioned to get a, his CPA, but now unions are disappearing. Companies are classifying workers as contractors. The new gig economy is a struggle to adapt to. And the thought of working for Uber, Lyft, or Amazon driver makes me want to jump off a bridge. Outsourcing, declassifying workers as contractors and being made in attempts is a lot cheaper than hiring full-time people. And it goes on from there. Um, he says, I have 48 days on my nightstand collecting dust. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, how about this? Where, where does somebody go to whom nobody cares about? Where do those whom nobody cares about fit in this? Some people are forced to go it alone their whole lives simply because no one is interested in their success or failure. I speak from experience. I've had no real help or support or love at any point in my adolescent or adult life. And I'm struggling to get anywhere. I'll be 40 this year. I have no career, family, love, life, social life, because I don't believe in myself. Honestly, why should I at this point? Okay. Now I've got a whole bunch of these like this. Here's, here's one as well. And I'm going to comment on this just a minute, but then again, we're going to defer these to next week. And I, I cringe sometimes. Now here's the deal. I want to answer real life questions here. And it's not just all peaches and cream. I realize that I love telling the success stories. And I did that because I had people saying, wow, you talk about all the problems people are having. Is anybody ever successful in today's economy in today's workplace? And I'm like, Wow, it was one of those uh, V8 moments for me, you know, slap my forehead, like, my gosh, I hear all these success stories, and I'm not passing them on. I want people to know that, yeah, a whole lot of people are being successful. So I, I want to mix. I want to mix. But, but, and I don't want to load up my podcast with just the horrible situations that people are in. But I'm, I'm going to group some of these together for next week and just kind of talk through them. And, and talk about how we all have choices to be made. So here's somebody who commented on a recent podcast where I had my friend Roger Whitney on. We talked about this exciting time of moving into retirement, what that can look like, how that's changing, and how for a lot of us, it's not going to be just you know sitting on the front porch, you know, drooling down your chest or something. It's going to be doing fun things, creating things, inventing things, writing books, like we've been doing our whole life anyway. So this listener takes issue with that. He said, I wonder if your take on this issue would be different if you had to dig your car out of the snow, clear your driveway of snow, and then commute 45 minutes to work each way in weather that can cause your car battery to be dead one cold morning, get into an accident on an icy highway, even a fender bender in a parking lot of the train station, etc. And then you had to deal with a work situation that is more like Dilbert than your idyllic Franklin home with a granddaughter ready to go to Taco Bell for lunch. Well, how do we unpack this? How do we unpack that kind of a situation? See, here's where I have to take issue with Randy, you, the listener on this, where you say, I wonder if your issue in the on, take on this issue would be different. If you had to dig your car out of the snow, 
I don't have to dig my car out of the snow because I choose not to live in a place where we have a lot of snow. And I don't say that just in a cavalier way. I used to live in Ohio. I hated the snow. Twin and I decided as early married couple, we were going to get out of Ohio. And we did. Because, so when you, I don't have to dig my way out of the snow because I don't choose to live there. Now, here's the deal. I live where I want to live. And I really don't understand anybody not living where they want to live. I mean, there, there are people who, I mean, we're, we've had a lot of discussions about living in Florida. Then I go down to Florida and think, oh my gosh, this heat is oppressive. Unless you're inside, it's intolerable. And these people, you know, there's a lot of people down here who don't have a purpose for getting up in the morning. I don't want the highlight of my day be deciding where I'm going to go for lunch. I don't want to live like that. So we don't live in Florida. <laughs> but, you know, we, we live right where we live because I think it's the most idyllic place in the world to be in Franklin, Tennessee. Now, I don't want everybody to come here. Believe me, I love the fact that people love be, living in Minnesota. I love the fact that people love living in Florida. Certainly. But those people ought to love where they are as well. And when you go on and say, and then you had to deal with a work situation, it's more like deal within your idyllic Franklin home. Well, I don't have to deal with a crappy work situation because I wouldn't put up with it. I choose something that is idyllic. I do have an idyllic work life. I sit here and as I speak, yes, I'm going to finish this podcast up and, um, probably go to lunch with a couple granddaughters who are in town right now. I mean, what a cool thing to do. We'll probably take the top off my Corvette because it's a really gorgeous day. And I'll select one to ride with me and we'll go have fun in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. Well, that didn't just happen. I'm not just lucky. I didn't win the lottery. I didn't have rich parents. I mean, I didn't have any of those things. I was a poor farm kid in Ohio, but I made choices along the way to move me closer and closer to the kind of life that I live today. And I continue to do that. I'm going to continue to make adjustments and to do things, to move more into what Joanna and I consider an idyllic life. And as you can tell, you know where I'm going to go next week as we walk through some of these challenging questions. It's going to be, why have you made the choices that you've made? Are you really trapped or are you just continuing to make the same choice and expecting different results? But we're going to look at these and I'm going to, I'm going to try to be generous and gracious in my response. And I hope that I always am, but we're going to walk through. I mean, I've had questions from, you know, somebody I'm 42 years old. I listen, live, live in Mexico city. I'd like to hear any encouragement uh, from you about anyone you know who has hit bottom in every area of life and then was able to move forward. As you might imagine, I'm in that situation. I'd love to hear encouragement, any resources available to go forward. So I got a lot of those. We're going to go through some of these very carefully next week and help people who have written. If you've got a question in this vein, if you're feeling discouraged, you go ahead and shoot it to me at askdan at 48days.com. I'll protect your name if you want me to, your identity, not a problem. But just send your note to me and we'll try to give you some real encouragement 
about things that you can do as you move forward in the life that you have. So that's going to be next week. We're going to be looking at those of you who feel stuck in a J-O-B, what you can do to get unstuck. But here's the deal. As I opened with today, would you rather be comfortable or fully alive? Are you seeing the uncertainty in your life as something to be fixed so you can get back to being comfortable or as an opportunity to explore new and more exciting options? And I, I want to look at every challenge point in my life as an opportunity to consider, okay, what are three or four options? Not just what's one negative reaction. What are three or four options? What does this make possible? You hear me talk about that a lot. You know, if the county comes around and says, you can't have live events at the sanctuary anymore, like they did, boom, we close the doors immediately. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not prepared to go to war over this. But then it forced me, what does this make possible? We got some really new and exciting things. You know, we just started 48 Days Press, new entire division. You can go to 48dayspress.com. Check that out if you're interested in writing a book. But um, I want to help you and others next week. So again, if you got a question that really deals with your discouragement about where you are, shoot it to me. A little capsulization of that at Ask. Dan at 48days.com. We'll unpack that together. But thanks for being part of this growing group where we are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.